Welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra. And now, the message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did God is so good that he grants us the opportunity to read his word, to share his word, to understand it and apply it in our hearts, to guide us in this walk of life. Welcome to the Calvary Hour coming to you from the pulpit ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, Accra, Ghana, the member church of the Ghana Baptist Convention. I bring you greetings from Calvary Baptist Church at the Braca campus, Shashi campus, Potiano. We are also located in Amasaman, Oyibi, and many other Calvary churches, Calvary Baptist churches of the Baptist Convention. God bless you richly for joining us. This is Pastor Fred Digby. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come to your presence. We ask that you lead us, you guide us, you direct us as we share your word, as we read your word. Bless us. In Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Have you ever doubted God? Have you ever wondered whether God's promises will come true in your life? Have you ever wondered whether the things that are happening to you have meaning? Because there are things that happen to you that you cannot explain. And has it cost you to say, I don't know, I don't really know. Do you know some people who have so much doubt that they say they don't even believe in God today? who see that having doubt is part of human life. But unbelief is a different issue. You can see that the giants of the faith sometimes had their doubts, but they stuck to God. May God help us as we share in his word today. Our lesson today is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, from verse 18 to 28. Luke 7, 18 to 28. John the Baptist's disciples told him about all these things. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the coming one, or we should wait for someone else? At that time, Jesus had healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. So he answered them, Go and tell John what you have observed and heard. The blind see, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear again. The dead are raised, and the destitute hear the good news. How blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to ask the crowds about John. What did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? Really? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in fancy clothes? Look, those who wear fine clothes and live in luxury are in royal palaces. Really? 
What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet. This is the man about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, no one has ever been born who is greater than John, yet even the least important person in the kingdom of God is greater than he. The Lord bless the reading and the sharing of his word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, we find that Jesus had launched out into ministry. John the Baptist had come before Jesus, preaching to everyone that somebody greater than him will come. That's Jesus. The Messiah will come. And therefore, people should repent and stay ready for him. And literally, thousands came to be baptized, waiting, waiting for Jesus to come. It was this John the Baptist who baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus as a dove. And John testified that this is truly the child of God. Because he heard the voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, John was preaching and Jesus was preaching. And John had prophesied that Jesus would be greater than him. In his understanding, just like you and I, he expected Jesus to do a lot of powerful things. A lot of miraculous signs. To bring justice to the world and let people know that righteousness has come and sin must give way. So, John was possibly even more and more empowered to preach powerfully because now the Savior has come, the Redeemer has come, the Messiah has come. But what do we find? Instead, we find that John is in prison. He's imprisoned because he had told the truth. The king was flirting with his brother's wife, and John boldly said, Look, this is wrong. You cannot do that. This is immoral. And John chastised him and rebuked him. Now, what do you get when you chastise powerful people? Well, if they forgive you, they forgive you, but not an unforgiving sinner. So John landed in prison. Perhaps, like you and I, who are preaching the gospel, who are teaching the truth, who are saying what we know God wants us to say, proclaiming righteousness, he probably expected Jesus to do something, to liberate him, Jesus to speak for him, or to cause something to happen. But that didn't happen. And so the passage we read now finds John puzzled and just trying to find out what, what is this all about. When we look at the first verse, just as John's disciples told him about all these things, so John called two of his disciples about what things? He told them about Jesus, his preaching, his teaching, his signs, and his, his miracles. They pictured a stand Messiah, one who was doing whatever needed to be done. And yet John was in prison. It looks as if John's disciples could go in and out, go out and come back to him in prison and tell him what was happening. And whatever they said to him, gave him questions and puzzled him. He had questions. 
And friends, this is where we as believers need to understand that John had doubts. John had doubts. And hear what I see here. It is, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt, as someone has noticed, is a matter of the mind. There are things we cannot understand. We cannot understand what God is doing and why he's doing it. We cannot understand the things that are around us. As I like quoting, somebody said, we don't know how a black cow eating green grass with red flesh produces white milk, yet we drink it. We don't know how it works. We don't know how an airplane works to move up in the skies and take us across the ocean to our destination. We don't know how it works, but we accept it. We cannot understand everything, even about life. How can we possibly understand the will of God? We can't. So sometimes we doubt. We doubt because we are human beings. Oswald Chambers said, doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. You are thinking and you have no answers. You put one and two together and it doesn't connect. How can God allow COVID? When is COVID going to end? Would the vaccine help us? Why is there Ebola? Why do we have cancer? Would Jesus really come? Why is there so much injustice in the world? Why doesn't God do anything or do something about it? Doubt raises a lot of questions because we are thinking human beings. And God is not perturbed by our doubts. There's a difference, however, between doubt and unbelief. Whereas doubt is a matter of the mind because we are thinking and we cannot understand. And somehow we say, okay, I don't understand it. I have problems, I have challenges. Unbelief, really, is a matter of the will. We refuse to believe God's word and obey what he tells us to do. So God says, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. He will punish. He's coming again. There'll be resurrection. All of these things said, look, it doesn't make sense. I don't believe it. So you live your life in any way you can. There's money that matters. So you steal to make your money. Look, I must have fun. And so you flat around with men and women. You drink, you do all these things. Let's go to church. And what will I get out of it? I don't get anything out of it. We even see miracles and say these are for stupid people who don't believe. So unbelief is a matter of the will. Now, and so when you take this attitude, then you are headed for trouble. What was John doing here? John was raising doubts. He believed in Jesus. He saw enough signs. He knew he was the one to come and he has come. But he didn't understand his ways. Just like you and I who are believers. It doesn't mean we have all the answers, but we know that our Lord is the Messiah and we know he can do everything, but we don't get it sometimes the way he works. And so what did John do? This is where the difference is between faith and doubt or unbelief and doubt. So John sent two of his disciples to this same Jesus. He sent them. So John called two of his disciples and sent them to 
to the Lord to ask, are you the coming one or else we wait for someone else? Doubt goes back to the source. Belief in Jesus and yet you don't have all the answers. It goes back to Jesus. You see all kinds of prayers in the Bible. When you have, they have, particularly in the Psalms, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I cry all night. Lord, do something about my enemies. They are all around my neck. And yet the psalmist is still praying to God. So John was puzzled. He sent two of his disciples to go and question Jesus. I mean, there are people, when they are in doubt, that's when they go back to the Bible to find an answer. What is God saying? They go and pray, Lord, give me an answer. They fast. They say, Lord, I need an answer from you. But unbelief says, I don't want to have anything to do with this God, prayer, fasting, church, or anything. My dear friend, today we are talking about John doubts Jesus. Even John the Baptist doubted Jesus. If you are doubting something in your faith, it doesn't mean you are an unbeliever. If you are doubting something about your faith, it only means you are thinking. You do not have all the answers because there are more questions than answers. So John sent two of his disciples to Jesus. And Jesus was not discouraged. He didn't feel, oh, John is confused. He rather took time to explain things to him. Because sometimes we as believers misunderstand the ways of God, misunderstand the plan of Jesus. We don't see the total picture. We are not, we are not sure what he's trying to do, what he wants to achieve in us. And that's what we see happening here. So what does Jesus do? All of these things are happening. And Jesus told John's disciples, look, go and tell John that I am the one. See, at that time, Jesus had healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to the many who were blind. So it's as if these people came and they had seen two of the disciples of John came and saw all the things that Jesus was doing. So Jesus just simply answered them, look, you may not understand all that I'm doing, but I want you to get something. I fulfill the promises that I am the Messiah. I've preached the gospel. I am blessing people. My works prove that I am the Messiah. So go and tell John what you have heard, what you have seen, what you have observed. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear again, the dead are raised, and the destitute, the poor, hear the good news. How blessed is anyone who is not offended by me. Jesus didn't seem to be giving a direct answer to John, but he was giving a direct answer to him. That you may not understand my ministry. You may not understand what I'm doing. But believe in me, my ministry and message prove that I am the Messiah. Because he demonstrated the power in the works of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, he's supposed to heal and heal all manner of diseases. Jesus was doing it. The Messiah came and he fulfilled all these prophecies, things that have been prophesied over and over again, that I am fulfilling them. So yes, this is what I'm doing. He had preached the gospel to the poor and he's been a blessing to all who come near him. Jesus is telling you and I that when you read the scriptures, when you go to the Bible, when you see the churches these days, the way they are at the front, doing works of mercy and charity, healing, preaching, correcting others, 
it must prove to you that the kingdom of God is here. That's how Jesus answered John. He did not answer him directly, but said, look at what I am doing. The sweetness of the pudding, they say, is in the eating. That Jesus fulfilled all of this thing. There's a proclamation of salvation. That God cares for people and I am here to save them. Jesus is saying that he's showing his power, his love and concern. All these things were predicted and I am doing them. John, I am doing them. Don't get discouraged that there's salvation available, redemption is available, people are being transformed. You see, what he's trying to say about John the Baptist that is that it is not about you. You may want to get out of prison. You have done what you have done. You have preached the gospel that has landed you in prison. It is not the best of things that can happen to anybody. And I pray to God that it doesn't happen to you. But you see, as you are in prison over there, it may not be my time or my will to release you. Because as you are in prison, you may have a reason. God may send you there for a purpose. To show to others that you are willing to die for your faith. That you are a condemnation to all these people who think that they can imprison people. That the best they can do is to kill the flesh. But show a spirit, strong spirit, an overcoming spirit. But by all means, do not doubt me. Do not doubt me. As somebody has said, what God has revealed to you in the light. Don't doubt God when you are in the darkness. So Jesus answered, I am he. Look at all the things that I have done. Go and tell John, don't doubt me. Don't doubt me. John, really connect. Oh, my friend, you may be in a very desperate situation today. You have no money. You have ill health. You are looking for a husband. You are looking for a child. It don't seem to be coming. Things don't seem to be working. And you are asking, I have become a Christian. What am I getting out of it? I'm being tormented by evil forces. Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? I've heard what you're able to do. Here you may have doubts. You may have doubts. But take it to the Lord in prayer and never and ever give up on him because he will never give up on you. John sent his disciples and Jesus was able to give them an answer. An answer they took to him. You see, Jesus reserved something. The area of fire, of wrath, of judgment, things that will happen to destroy the world, they had not happened yet. Because Jesus' time was a time for redeeming people, was to offer the love and the compassion of God, calling people to come to, 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 come to repentance, but he had not come to destroy them yet. So, what he's preaching is that this is the time to repent. This is the time to repent. He's not about to get into those arguments and get into the way of politics, but he's preaching the gospel. Jesus then turned around. So there are many, what Jesus was saying in effect, is that there are many, many false prophets. There are many people who think that the Messiah has to come and he comes for a certain purpose. Jesus was telling John that his actions were prophesied and he's fulfilling them. If you look at Isaiah chapter 35 verses 5 and 6, then the eyes of the blind will be opened 
and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. For water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. These have been prophesied. However, Jesus stressed that the personal ministry that he was proclaiming and teaching was not a political one. He, has, he had not come to play politics. He had not come at this time to be a political leader, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open prisons. Yes, this was part of Isaiah 61, 1. And John knew it. Say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to set free the prisoners. So John knew this and was expecting that Jesus would set him free. And Jesus had not come to set him free. Jesus was rather reaching out in power to the spirit of individuals, drawing their attention to the saving and restoring power of God. He was not reaching out to mobilize people for the deliverance of Israel from Roman enslavement. He could do that, but that is not what he was there for. There's time for everything. This is the time to call people to repentance. And John, my brother, get it. Don't lose faith in God. Now, interestingly, the disciples turn back to go and say this to John. And Jesus now begins to praise John. Saying, what he's saying here about John, say John himself is a fulfillment that the kingdom of God is here. You see, when the Old Testament ended, there were no more prophets who were saying anything. But John came in power. John came in strength and was preaching the gospel. And Jesus is saying, John himself, who is doubting me now, is proof that the gospel is real, that I'm real. Why? Because in verse 24, when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to ask the crowds about John. What did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? You, he said, you see a man full of conviction, a man full of power, a man full of prophetic mission, a man who knew his true identity as a forerunner of Jesus Christ. This is a man who has values, who is willing to stick to his values if even his values send him to prison. So John himself is proof. Can you believe it? The man who has sent his disciples to find out whether Jesus is the one, Jesus is saying, this man is really a man of God. Can you believe it, my brother, my sister, that your faith, your activities, your Christian principles show that you are a child of God? Let me just say it. You see, when you go back and reflect on Job, why did he suffer? He suffered because he was a solid man who believed in God. Why was Peter tempted so many times? Because he was a man who believed in God and Satan was buffering him and battering him. Why do people suffer sometimes? It is because Satan comes to tempt you. The world comes to tempt you. The devil comes to tempt you and try you. But when you stand solidly, even though you are crying, you say, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. It tells people, this man is a different man. This woman 
is a different woman. And so, in verse 28, Jesus just says something. I tell you, no one has ever been born who is greater than John. Yet even the least important person in the kingdom of God is greater than John. What exactly is Jesus saying here, you and I? As I said, before Jesus came, the last book of the prophets was the book of Malachi, and no one else had come. Then John the Baptist came to the scene. Jesus is saying that of all the people in that Old Testament time, they all looked forward to the coming of Jesus. John lived in the age of promise. But after Jesus has come and gone, the followers of Jesus now live in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, the least in the kingdom of God today is greater than the greatest of the prophets who lived long, long, long ago. Why? Because Jesus is the reason. Knowing him personally makes all the difference. So I begin to know that he is the one. It's just like saying, all those who were born in the Gold Coast are great. But now, those who are born in the free Ghana are now Ghanaians. They can call themselves Africans. They can say this and that. So it is a matter of timing that some look forward for Jesus to come. But as for John, he was the last one. But as for me, I have come and I am the one to live and fulfill everything that you expected. For me, the exciting thing why I'm sharing this passage with so much joy is that John doubted Jesus. He didn't understand why he was in prison, why Jesus did not save him. But he went back to Jesus and Jesus gave him proof of his ministry back to scripture. John didn't go to any juju. He didn't backslide. He didn't run away from church. He went back to Jesus. He exhibits what the hymn writer says, and that's what I want us to end with. The hymn writer says, Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God, he provides for his own. He cannot fail, though kingdoms shall perish. He rules, he reigns upon his throne. Can you pray this prayer as we sing this song? Lord, strengthen my faith in you. Lord, I put my trust in you. Lord, I know you will never disappoint me through the journey in this life because I have questions, but you have answers. Strengthen my faith in you and in my circumstances to look up to you now and forevermore. Amen. Oh, this
Broadcast by Calvary Baptist Church with Reverend Dr. Fred Digby, our senior pastor. We hope this message blessed you. Be sure to join us, God willing, next week, the same time and station. We are in Adabaka, opposite Mr. Big's restaurant, near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange, also in Shiashi, across the motorway from the Accra Mall, and Botiano. Call us on 0243 690 or 0302-231-854. Contact us on WhatsApp at 0200-181-680. Visit us online at www.calvarybaptistgh.org. Write to us, Calvary Baptist Ghana at yahoo.com.